Life Audio. Just ahead on encouragement for you, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Menrith on aging and part two of Defending Your Faith with Dr. Steve Cowan and Craig Branch. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Statistics indicate that our society is aging as never before. According to one source, every seven seconds, another person becomes eligible for Medicare. In this segment of Encouragement for You, the late Dr. Frank Minrith discusses the topic of aging with host Don Hawkins. Here's Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Frank Minrith to talk about aging issues. Don, let's start out with the scripture verses. What do oh, you say? Always a great place for us to start, Frank. And, and, and you began in the book of Job. Job was a man who had a long, full life. What did he have to say? Well, here's one of his helpers. And it said, I said, they should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there's a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Hmm. Now, here's the question, Don. What if you could have the, the, the spirit of the Lord and know him, and also have the wisdom that can come with aging. That would be wonderful. So that's what we're going to try to aspire to. You know, Frank, a lot of people think that God doesn't value people who age, but uh, several years ago, Woodrow Kroll of Back to the Bible and I co-authored a book called Prime of Your Life on Aging Issues, and we built it around Psalm 92, 13 through 15. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Isn't that a great statement? Oh, that's wonderful, Don. And then in 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen, for the body is not one member, but many. Yeah. And Don, as you read that chapter, every member is invaluable. Every member. Yeah. So if you're getting a little older, you're no less valuable. And if you feel like you're incapable of doing some of the things you used to do, uh, take heart with the encouragement of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Frank, it seems to me that there's some erroneous beliefs that we've cultivated concerning aging. Well, Don, there are, and let's debunk these. One is I can no longer be productive. Yeah. Don, if you look at it, uh, Benjamin Franklin led a compromise that resulted in the United States Constitution at age 81. Winston Churchill at 82 wrote a history of the English-speaking peoples. Yeah. Michael Angelo at 88 uh, designed the Church of Santa Maria. Rubenstein at age 89 did some of his best recitals. Weitzer at age 89 headed a hospital in Africa. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Noah, 950. And Methuselah, 969 years old. And think about Caleb at the age of 85 taking on the city of Hebron and the giants who lived there and along with his sons waging war successfully at that age, 85 years of age. Another one is all my friends are dead and gone. Don, there are more people 65 years of age and older alive today than have ever lived in the history of mankind. There are many people that are going to be older. There are many of those people that are still productive. Don, here's another one. Since I am 65 years of age, I will probably die very soon. Hmm. That's not true. If you live to be 65, your chance of living another 20, 25 years and even more, the chances are great. Yeah. Another erroneous belief, Frank, is America is a youth-oriented culture, which to some degree it is, but because of that, there's no place for me. Well, Don, I tell you what, don't tell the politicians that. I mean, they (laughs) they certainly didn't act that way. They were very much interested in people that were 60 years old, 55 years old, and on up. And uh, we've all heard people say, well, nobody needs me anymore because I'm so old now. That's not true, is it? Christ needs you. Christ desperately needs you in the body to him. You are very important. You have a mission that only you can do, regardless of your age, regardless of your condition. Only you can do it. And a final misconception, erroneous belief we want to talk about concerning age, that is because I'm aging, there really is no hope for me. There's always hope in Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. There are great medicines coming. Christ wants to encourage you. You're needed. There's hope. Very important for us to understand it. As we think about the subject of aging, Frank, it seems to me that uh, family members have some concerns, and maybe you have some recommendations, some uh, tips to pass along for the family. Number one is to be on the watch for depression and suicidal thinking. One of the major causes of depression is, is some kind of loss or a series of losses, and many times they've had several they will become suicidal. Suicide is extremely high in those 60 years of age and above. If you have a family member and they're above 60 and they seem sort of blue, withdrawn, they seem sad, they seem down, maybe you ought to just be direct and ask them, are you having these kind of thoughts? Don, we lose thousands in the body of Christ every year, 60 years and above, through suicide. It can be prevented. And you do treat at the Minerith Christian Program and through the clinic individuals who are getting up in years. Uh, depression Absolutely in the elderly It has be nothing treated. to do with, uh, you know, they have more depression sometimes, and, and certainly they can be treated just like anyone else and help yeah. just like anyone mm-hmm. else, maybe even more so, Don. So watch for depression. Watch for suicidal thinking. I think uh, probably one of the things that we need to be alert to would be senility or, or memory lapses or dementia, uh, those kinds of things. Help us uh, see how to, to be on, the, on guard for that. Well, we're going to give you a, uh, some areas of early cognitive delay here in just a moment. But in dementia, you might think about, about the little mnemonic, IMAJO, I-M-A-J-O. I, they have impaired intellect. They're not quite as sharp as they used to be. 
him their memory. They can't remember things as well as they used to. Maybe their memory for the past is better than the present, but the present they're having a little bit of trouble in. Affect, they'll get more upset than they used to get. So anger may be a problem. Judgment, they might do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. And orientation, they may not be quite as sharp at what today is and sometimes even where they are. Yeah, so a lot of things to remember there. Being on the watch, be on guard, watch for senility, for dementia. And and then the third tip for the family, Frank. Is to be careful with retirement. Probably 40% of people die within two years of retirement. Retirement can can be a major, major problem for people. If you have someone that is over, uh, say, 50 or 60, tell them you need them. They need to know that they're still deeply needed in the body of Christ. Now, you told us, Frank, that there's something called early cognitive delay that gets in. There is early cognitive delay, Don. Up to 50% of people over 65 complain of early cognitive delay. It consists of decreased ability in finding the right word. They can't find the right word. Mm. Trouble remembering names. Trouble concentrating. Decreased recall of location of objects. And so if any of that sounded uh, familiar, then you might have a little early cognitive light. Frank, how so, early would that be likely? You mentioned 50% of people over 65. Would it start at 50? Would it start at 60? Would it start at 62? Well, the, the reference here, I was referring over 65, but it can yeah. start at any age. Yeah. We begin to lose brain cells after the age of 35, probably 85,000 per day. Mm. And uh, so we don't do something to counter that, then it can manifest. Done probably up to 15% of people will have early cognitive delay. And uh, uh, and maybe even more, probably up to 15% will well, it'll, it'll begin to push into dementia even. So we yeah. want to catch it real, real early. So, Don, let's rattle off some things we can do here to help prevent uh, yeah. it progressing from early cognitive delay into dementia. All right. And number one is physical exercise. Oxygen to the brain does help. So physical exercise in moderation. Talk with your doctor. But uh, sensible physical exercise does help. All right, the second thing you can do is another form of exercise. And that's mental exercise. Uh, the harder you work the brain, the more connections you get between the cells, the more connections you get between the cells, the better memory you have. Donna wrote a little book called A Brilliant Mind. It's a book on mental exercises. Work that brain. If you want to keep that brain, then work that brain. The best way to work it, let me give you just two insights here. Okay. One is memorize words. Yes. The brain is programmed with words. The more words you know, probably the more you preserve your memory. And the other way, Don, what would you guess? Memorize scripture. That's it. <laughs> you and I have talked about that as dynamic scriptural therapy. And it is indeed that. It will rebuild that brain. So hide God's word in your heart. It will not only keep you uh, spiritually pure, it will also help your mind become more exercised and stronger. We'll be back with more after this brief word from our sponsors. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. In our second segment of Encouragement for You, host Don Hawkins continues his discussion on how to counter the attacks on our Christian faith with Dr. Steve Callan and apologist Craig Branch. Many young people today haven't seen anything other than a postmodern world. Right. I think, the, again, one of the, one of the failings of the church today is to not disciple uh, Christians uh, in the faith and in, in a biblical worldview, and therefore they're susceptible. Uh, and our culture has clearly taken a postmodern turn, significant turn. And uh, some of the results, for instance, the Barner research and the Pew uh, Research Forum that came out, the very extensive research that they conducted, showed us, again, reinforced the reality that only – 22% of adults and only 6% of teenagers are certain that absolute moral truth exists. Mm. 6%, 6% of, of, teenagers. of teenagers. And so we're losing that, that generation. As a matter of fact, the Lifeway, Baptist Lifeway research, confirming other research that says that 7 out of 10 Protestants aged 18 to 30 who were churched in high school stopped attending by the age of 23. Yeah. And 34% indicated they have not returned by the age of 30. There's always been an attrition rate. When kids leave uh, home and leave that authority, they've got to own their own faith. And there's been an attrition rate. But historically, overwhelmingly, they've come back to the faith. But now they're not coming back. And that's, again, an issue of discipling the young people and specifically addressing the issue of truth in a postmodern culture. I was uh, thinking about Josh McDowell, and I know you remember this, Steve, just a couple of years ago, and talking about that attrition rate and how many young people, by the time they hit college age and and are out of high school and moving out of the home, mm-hmm. how many of them basically leave the faith and and they've not been grounded. They've not been given that opportunity to, to get their roots deep into the Word of God and to mm-hmm. learn to think in a Christian way. That's right. And we've, uh, we're finding out that there's very few curriculum out there addressing this issue. A lot of ev- uh, information available, a lot of resources available. Uh, you can get those info packets on topics of a wide range of topics, and you can find out what some of those topics are when you visit the Apologetics Resource Center website at www.arcapologetics.org. Let's go back to the phones. James is in Leesville, Louisiana. Hello, James. Hey, how are you guys doing? Fine. Appreciate your call. Um, I just, I've had a feeling, like all my, you know, from late, early teen to till now, 
of uh, of actually missing God. Is it is it possible that we were with God before and chose to come to Earth to prove that we love God with free will? Is it possible to to miss God? Well, you sound like a two questions there. Yeah, right? yeah. a couple of I'm questions. And, no, no, no. We don't apologize. We're glad for both of those questions. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we're convinced is that uh, all of us have missed God and fallen short of his perfect and righteous standards based on what Romans 3.23 says. Every one of us has sinned. We've sinned by choice. We've sinners by nature. And because of that, we're separated from God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine Mm -hmm. and rose again from the dead to give evidentiary proof, solid proof, that when we place our personal trust in him, we no longer are disconnected from God. We are connected with him. We receive eternal life. Plus, he gives us his spirit who guides our thought processes and renews our minds so that we'll be able to grapple with truth and come not only to an assurance of our salvation, but we'll also come to a place where we're able to deal with some of these tough issues. And Steve, I know that's part of the question that you want to address in this issue. Sure, and you answered the question fairly well that that as sinners we're all separated from God, and that certainly creates in our hearts a sense of alienation from God. Human beings, I think, have a natural desire to know and understand their creator. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks a lot about our desire and hunger and thirst for God. Um, Even Martin Luther uh, once made a quip that said that the man who knocks on the door of the brothel is looking for God. He doesn't realize that's who he's looking for, obviously, but but he's trying to satisfy a hunger in his soul for God in finite ways that that don't uh, do the trick, of course. So there is this, this... hunger that we have for God that often creates in us a sense of separation from God. And called a God-shaped void by that's, some people. That's right. But that doesn't necessarily mean, as the caller was con- uh, concerned about or asking about that, that uh, we existed in some state before our birth. And mm-hmm. I'll turn that over to Craig to deal with that. Right. I mean, the Scripture uh, does not teach that at all, uh, that, that we yeah. That, that would more come from a Hindu perspective or an Eastern religion perspective. Eastern religion perspective. Actually, even uh, it's very specifically revealed in Mormonism. Mormonism mm-hmm. teaches that the doctrine of preexistence, that everybody mm-hmm. had a preexistence because we were actually literal offspring of Mother God and Father God in a preexistence, and therefore... We forget as they pass into the veil of forgetfulness and as they enter into the earth's domain mm-hmm. when they're born physically, they forget. But so, yeah, like the caller says, all of us naturally feel like we long for God, and, but I, it is wrong to translate that that we long for him because we were with him in a preexistence. We, yeah, we're, right. we long for him because we're made in his image. We're designed to have a relationship with him, and we've been separated, and that creates that longing. Yeah. To me, this this takes us to a question that I, I think is probably one of the most critical in our postmodern era, and that is the old question, do all roads lead to heaven? And multiculturalism, mm-hmm. a multiplicity of religious perspectives, mm-hmm. um, how can we address that issue when people come to us and say, mm-hmm. you guys as Christians are narrow and bigoted, and you're saying that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? What is the best way to handle mm-hmm. that question? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing to say is that Jesus himself taught this. Mm -hmm. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, So Christ taught that there is only one way to God. That is the Christian belief. Um, And Christ Christ being God in the flesh would know. It's not our our (laughs) intolerance. That's what Christ has said. That's right. 
And I, and I don't believe that leads to, in, to intolerance or uh, bigotry, as we're often accused of saying, because truth by definition is exclusive. Mm-hmm. If, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, and it does, if somebody says it mm-hmm. equals 5, they're just wrong. And I'm not being intolerant by telling them that. You're not being bigoted <laughs> when you say 2 plus 2 can never equal 5? And, and it doesn't change, and that, that doesn't doesn't change when you talk about religion. Yeah. We know that all roads cannot lead to God simply because all the various religions in the world contradict each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We believe that God is a person; He's a personal God, not an impersonal force, as the Hindus and Buddhists believe. Mm-hmm. And so, one of us is wrong. I, I happen to think it's them. Right? Yeah. Uh, very helpful insights mm-hmm. that we're learning tonight. Let's go back to the phones. Terry is listening in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Terry. Good evening. Thanks for calling. Go ahead with your question. Yes, hi. Um, I'm a uh, middle-aged man and accepted Christ as my Savior very late in life. Congratulations. I, I, thank you. And I uh, prompted me to call with a, with a question I've had that surfaced here in a couple of years as I've matured in my faith um, and tackled some of the comprehensive uh, of my faith. And uh, it's around the idea of... Um, are grappling with the book of Revelation and the, the return of Jesus um, and the second coming of Jesus. And I, in being in Dallas, I'm sort of immersed in the Kool-Aid of uh, dispensationalism. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> um, and it's, it's, I find it frustrating a little bit, only okay. because uh, I have read the Bible cover to cover several times. Okay. Um, I'm not, I haven't been to seminary or Bible college or anything, but sure. I, I don't, in the reading of this, a common sense, straightforward reading of the Bible, mm-hmm. I have not been able to discern this pre-tribulational rapture. All right. Let me, let me do this just for the sake of time, Terry, because you have raised some very important issues. Let me just mention, I have sipped from that Kool-Aid. I happen to be premillennial and dispensational. I happen to know that Dr. Cowan uh, takes a little bit different view on prophetic issues, and so godly people and uh, Christian brothers disagree on these issues. And, Craig, I'm not even sure where you are on this issue. I'm millennial. I'm a <laughs> So we have pre, post, ah. We have a number of different viewpoints. Uh, but the basic issue just comes down to interpreting Scripture. We do have some issues there. Steve, give us some, some general guidelines for understanding Scripture. Um, well, well, that's going to be uh, hard to do over a short time. But, yeah, in about a minute and a half. Uh, <laughs> well, the, to me, the most important rule is to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Yeah. That you always, you can't uh, think you've understood a portion of Scripture unless you've compared it to other texts that talk about the same topic. So you've always got to look at the whole Bible and what the whole Bible says on a given topic and then make sure that your interpretation is consistent. So interpret uh, Scripture with Scripture, that's one rule. Another important principle is to look at the uh, literary genre of a passage. Mm-hmm. You don't interpret poetry the way you interpret prose. You don't interpret uh, an apocalyptic book like Revelation the way you would interpret the Gospel of Matthew. There are different procedures for dealing with different types of literature, and you have to take that into account. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and LifeAudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers. Production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. 
Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 